Father, I continue in prayer and just thank you for your son, Jesus, who is perfect in every way and does all things well. Thank you that he is our living hope. And I pray that this morning you would massage that truth even more deeply into our lives and our hearts. That you would make your word come alive, uh, that you would make it real to us. That you would cause me to think clearly and speak well and speak of you. In your name we pray. Amen. How many of you have ever shopped for a vehicle? Anybody? Okay. How many of you are looking forward to shopping for a vehicle? Okay. Got a few hands there, both young and old. Very good. Well, not too old. Don't worry. Recently, our 2002 Ford Taurus gave up the dust. Yeah, it was time. I almost had to pay someone to take it from me. It was that bad. But uh, I got a hundred bucks for it. So, you know, bought the next tank of gas. But this vehicle gone for a little while. And it's obviously been a while since I bought a vehicle. And I was thinking about how do I do this? You know, back in the day, you just pick up the newspaper. It's this printed black and white thing. Anyways. You pick up a newspaper, it's not Craigslist or phone or Facebook, it's a newspaper, it's, anyways. You pick up the newspaper and you go to the classifieds and you look and there might be uh, individuals selling a vehicle, there might be uh, uh, used cars, auto lots, there might be dealerships or whatever, and you thumb through until you find something within your price range or remotely close to what you want, you go to the place, you kick the tires, you take it to a mechanic, drive it around a little bit, see if it's any good, and then... Take your best guess and bring it home. But today it's totally different. Today it's ultra competitive. Today it's all online through auto list or rumor, car trader, or whatever is out there. There's major websites and like everybody lists on them. And it's super competitive and extremely specific. So you can specify the date, the transmission, the vehicle features, the color. You can go after... I mean, you can put the little puppy gate in the back if you want. I mean, anything. And it's so competitive that what happens is when you finally narrow it down, you know there are several people looking for the same thing for a certain price because every dealer is putting their best foot forward. And so you'll call once you see this thing listed, and they'll say, actually, that one's on the way. It's going to be here tomorrow morning, and there are three people scheduled ahead of you to drive it, would you like to take the fourth run? I'm like, sure, (laughs) why not? But can you imagine if I actually call the place and they're like, yeah, you know what? You're the 15th caller and you win. And so if you can show up tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., this vehicle is yours for free. Like, oh yeah. I've I've got a vivid imagination. Just go with it, all right? So you... Even if it's like now and it's in Florida, I'm like, how long is that? 18 hours? Yeah, I'll be there. I think I can make it. I would get in my car and go if it was worth it. I know people that bought cars in our congregation in Wisconsin and Minnesota and wherever because even if it's a little bit of a hassle, if this is what you're after, it's worth it. Today we're going to look at a text in Scripture where the Apostle Paul is saying, Man, if it's a hassle, let me assure you, it's worth it. 
In fact, it's so valuable that whatever you have to do to get there, dude, go for it. Get it. You will be so glad you did. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 24. Colossians 1, 24 says this. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. Wait a minute. Did he say he rejoices in suffering? Okay. I rejoice in my suffering for your sake and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I have become a minister to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Amen. The mystery hidden for the ages and generations. Here is this mystery, but it is now revealed to the saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of this, oh, again, glorious, wonderful mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil and struggle and struggle and struggle with all his energy that powerfully works in me. For I want you to know how great I have struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts this is the purpose this is the reason for the ministry that their hearts may be encouraged be knit together in love to reach all the full riches of the full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery which is Christ in whom in him in Jesus are hidden All the treasures, all treasures are in Christ of wisdom and knowledge. And I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. And here's sort of my COVID-19 verse for those of you who are at home or listening online. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know how many times I've had people lately tell me, hey, you don't see me, but I see you every week. (laughs) Okay, good. I hope that'll change soon, not because I want you to be unsafe. I want you to do what's right. If you're immune compromised, by all means, watch online, isolate, stay at home. It makes sense. But what I'm hoping for is that we all understand that The church is a gathering of people and as such we can do well for a while with these temporary measures to get us through but eventually we have to come back together again because that's what the church is. It's a body. It's a group of people. But the Apostle Paul gets that and here's a congregation that he can't be with. He's in prison at this time. So he is isolated. He is in trouble. And he's writing them a letter. I've joked with my wife about how this, we, you know, no one checks their email anymore and Facebook's getting to be blah, we may actually go back to letter writing, you know? People are actually writing letters now because that's the only thing you read. But here's the apostle, he's in prison, he doesn't have Facebook, he doesn't have Twitter, he doesn't have, and he hasn't been kicked off of it, he just doesn't have it. 
just saying. Here he is in prison, and he's writing this letter. He says, I can't be with you, but I hear about the firmness of your faith. And it makes me happy. And that's why I struggle so hard. I try and try and try and suffer on your behalf. Now, why? Why would the apostle do that? We'll get to that here in a second. But uh, let me show you what else is going on here in Colossae. Because, believe it or not, what's happening then is happening now. It's the same stuff. It's just a little bit later. And what's happening then is this. Essentially, the devil wants to destroy. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy me. He wants to destroy Paul. He wants to destroy them. He wants to destroy the works of Christ. He's always trying to kill Jesus and ruin his work, but he never wins. But here in this text, the way that he's doing it is very similar to the way he does it in our lives. And that is this. It is much easier to dilute than to destroy. It is much easier to dilute than to destroy. But dilution eventually leads to destruction. It's much easier to dilute than to destroy. And the way he's going to do it here is through this um, fancy word or teaching called Gnosticism. Now, I don't spend a lot of time on this early, but let me give you just a brief summary of what this is. What in the world are you talking about, Pastor Jeremy? Well, Gnosticism sounds like knowledge, okay? Gnosticism is G-N-O-S-T, and knowledge starts with a K-N, and you're learning how to read or write and spell, and you're like, why is that? That's because the original Greek word gnosis starts with what we would call like a G. And so those things come from that, and what it is essentially, it's um, people coming False teachers coming to these Colossian Christians and saying, hey, you know, it's really cool that you believe in Jesus. You know, I affirm that. Everyone has a right to their own thing. We all got our own opinion, and that makes sense. That's good for you. It's good for you. Right? Sound familiar? They approach them and say, hey, you know, Jesus is good. Nothing wrong. A lot of good, lot of good teaching in that Jesus. But you know what else? I got something for you. It's a special knowledge. Secret knowledge. Illuminati. Only the extra special get to know this. Hang on. There is a higher plane. It goes beyond this world. It transcends your understanding. And if you can only leave this physical world behind and deny the physical parts of you, you will ascend to the spiritual and reach nirvana. Sounds good, right? Ooh, cool. Count me in. Let's buy some crystals. Who knows? And they're teaching it. And initially, people can be deceived by it relatively easily, especially young Christians, because in some respects, it sounds like what we're saying. So, for example, when you read the Apostle Paul, he's talking about sarks or flesh, and he's always talking about our fallen, broken state that we live in right now and how it drags us down. And if we live in that place, then we tend to follow the desires of our physical body. And he's saying, you know, you've got to put to death the flesh. And we're like, wait, 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 that sounds a lot like Gnosticism. So, is that what we're talking about? No. Absolutely not. And that's the thing about 
poison, right? The best poison is closest to the original. It's clear, it's transparent, it's tasteless, it's odorless. You don't realize it and you drink it in and all of a sudden it's killing you. That's what this false teaching does. It begins to move you away from the pure teaching of Scripture and further and further away from the person of Christ. How is it so wrong, Pastor Jeremy? Well, God created the heavens and the earth. And he made male and female in his image. And therefore, God's original creation, the first one, the unbroken one, the just right one, and his future one, the new one, the new creation, the resurrected one, will be physical. We do not become disembodied spirits that float around in the sky like the Hallmark movies tell you. That's wrong. That's gobbledygook. What happens is to be absent from the body is to be home with the Lord. So your soul goes to heaven, but your body waits in the grave. And when Jesus comes back, he resurrects those bodies and gives you new life just like the Holy Spirit did to him. Christ is the first fruits, the firstborn among the dead. He is the creator and the redeemer. Remember that? That was last week. And so Jesus, this incredible human being, this template, this example, shows us what the new creation looks like. And the new creation is physical, so we should not deny the physical part of our existence. And if we do so, we are actually denying not only our fundamental nature, but the fundamental nature of God himself, who is both in Christ, fully God and fully man. So we cannot say that pure material or pure flesh is evil. Instead, we must affirm the complex dichotomy or blending of both, both in Christ and in us. We are physical and we are spiritual. And that's why death is so terrible. It's because it rips the natural creation of God apart. It rends that thing that God made to be whole separate. So, the, the false teachers come in teaching this. They seek to destroy. And this is really bad. How bad is it? Well, let me show you. First Timothy 4, 1 through 2. It says this. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. So false teaching is a really big deal. The apostle is saying this is a dangerous poison because it devalues the fundamental nature of humanity and the person of Christ. And and so the problem is they are downplaying or diluting Jesus. Let me give you... I'm going to give you three points. I forgot to say that this morning. I'm going to give you three points. One is the problem. Two is the solution. And three is the application. So you just got the problem. The problem is that the false teachers dilute or downplay Jesus. They did this in Colossae. And they do this today in media, in movies, in academia, in art. Everywhere you go, you see that. Jesus, yeah, he's a good guy. But, you know, there's more. There's your truth, my truth, whatever. No, no, no. Here's the truth. Here's the solution. There's a problem downplaying Jesus and there's a solution too. And the solution is to understand that the real mystery, there is a mystery. 
that the secret knowledge is this, Colossians 2.2. 2. The special knowledge, the secret knowledge of God's mystery is Christ. Verse 26, it says, He is the mystery hidden for the ages and for generations now revealed to his saints. Verse 27, this mystery, which is Christ in you, is the hope of glory. He is the firstborn among creation. He is the firstborn among the dead. He is creator, redeemer, perfect God, and perfect man. In other words, the mystery is not a secret knowledge. The mystery is a person. In this person, perfect deity and humanity is fully revealed. In other words, God's revelation, God's revelation of himself is personal. It's personal. You hear some people say that, hey, it's personal. No, this is personal. That's why if you've ever been around Christianity before and the preacher, evangelist, or well-meaning whatever gets up there and says, hey, do you have a personal relationship with God? Because Jesus, God's revelation, is personal. It's not just objective truth, although it fully is. It is also a real, dynamic, living, ongoing relationship. And if you don't have that relationship, that means you don't have Jesus because he is a person. And so if you're watching this online and you don't actually have a relationship, that means it's not real for you. Jesus is not just substance on a page, but he is a living human being and God himself. And in order to know him and experience him, you must have a relationship. It's personal. Either you have that relationship and you have everything, or you don't have it, and you have nothing. The point of Christianity is to know and treasure Christ. He himself is the supreme, all-surpassing treasure of the universe. Amen. I was hoping to hear something there. Man, he really is. And understand, church, that this is what we have. Like, this is what we have to offer. And we can do a lot of stuff, you know. Some of my kids have been missing some of the events we used to have. Like, we had a Christmas Eve service, or we had a Hope Gathering, or no, or we had a New Year's Eve service, and different things that are fun, you know. But the church is a lot more than popcorn and candy, you know, other places have popcorn and candy. Other places have activities. Other places have really good music. Maybe not as good as ours, but good. But the one thing that you can't get from any other organization in the entire world is Jesus. And what we have in him is more valuable than anything else. What we have to offer, the single greatest, most valuable asset the church has to offer is a person. It is not an activity or anything else. And that is why in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, the Apostle Paul says, Him we proclaim. Him we proclaim. We proclaim Christ. This 
person. It's personal. You see, the problem is when people downplay Jesus. And the solution, the truth is that he himself is the greatest, most all-surpassing treasure in the entire universe. And there is nothing more valuable than him. And if we're going to talk about anything, we might as well point them there. The truth is, the solution to dilution is to point them to Christ. So number one, the problem, downplaying Jesus. Number two, the solution, lift him up. And number three, the application. The application. The application is this. To gain Christ at all cost. Gain Christ at all cost. You see, if I, I was offered a vehicle for free that was exactly the vehicle I want, or a new Porsche, or a Ferrari, or some giant Cadillac, man, you better believe I'd get there, right? <laughs> like, I get in my car as soon as this thing's done, and I'm going. Whatever it takes, we're going to get it. But here, the apostle is saying, look, God has offered himself to you in the person of his son. Why would you not want that? Even if it's through suffering, Go get it. That's why in verse 24, the apostle says this, I rejoice in my suffering. What, you rejoice? Yes, I rejoice in my suffering in my flesh and in filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body. That is, the church. And so, are you ready for the application today, church? Enjoy your suffering. Go home and just delight in it. How's that sound? Great? Uh, Help me out here, Pastor Jeremy. It's not making sense quite yet. Agreed. Um, And I really love those sort of like dual voices in my head. Those are fun. Sometimes I let you in, sometimes I don't, but they're going the whole time. Look, here's the thing. There's a lot of different kinds of suffering in life, right? There's all different kinds. Sometimes we just hurt. I mean, it's just like physical pain. Our back, our foot, or whatever else. It just plain hurts. There's physical suffering. Physical suffering from the brokenness of our fallen condition, having experienced the result of the curse and the entrance of sin and death into the world. Now we're broken, and everything on us breaks, and it hurts. But there's other kinds of suffering too, right? Like there's suffering that happens that we had nothing to do with. Somebody else made a bad decision and we experience the consequences of those actions. Now it cost me. (laughs) Whether it's bad leadership or just you're sitting at a stoplight and all of a sudden, wham, someone hits you in the rear end. I didn't do anything wrong there. It's just somebody else but there's other kinds of suffering too there's also suffering that i think we christians if you're a christian you probably get this if you're not hang out and just listen we think of suffering often that gets rewarded in terms of suffering for jesus like okay we're all sitting in this room and all of a sudden a bad guy walks in and they point a gun and say do you believe in jesus if you say yes you die if you say no you live. Which one is it? 
And we all kind of go through that in our mind. We think, wow, that's suffering for Jesus. I mean, there's one I'd be rewarded for. If I say yes, I'm killed, I'm a martyr for Jesus Christ. Clearly, there's a connection here. But what about all those other sufferings? Those are just as real and they happen every day. They haven't stopped just because of COVID. Life goes on and tragedy still happens. We suffer for our own. Uh, we suffer for others and we suffer for our own bad decisions too. Let me give you another example of suffering. Okay, so earlier I said, you know, they're suffering because of sin and sickness. They're suffering because of other bad decisions. They're suffering for persecution for Jesus. They're suffering I bring on myself. My own dumb mistakes. Things I've done, I'm like, oh, now I'm going to pay for that one. Shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have bought that, shouldn't have done this. Oof, wish I could take that one back. And then I suffer because I made the mistake. How does that all fit together and work? Because Paul rejoices in his sufferings. Maybe, maybe Paul never made a mistake. Yeah, actually, I think he did. Maybe no one ever hurt Paul. Maybe he never got sick. Yeah, actually, they did. So how do we process that? And here's a conversation that I had with my wife earlier this week that really helped me understand this a lot, and that's this. If you're a Christian, then you believe in the macro plan of God. You believe in God's ultimate authority and sovereign control over everything. And if that is the case, then you know all of this is going somewhere, somewhere good. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He's going to do something. So if that is the case, then what happens is, if I can get to the point where I see all of my suffering not just my persecution for the cause of Christ, but all of my suffering, my bad mistakes, the things that have happened to me, and just the plain old things from living in a fallen world. If I can see all of those as part of his plan, then it is totally and completely redemptive. In other words, every single suffering I go through, I can do for Jesus. Every single suffering I go through, I can do for Jesus. And then it's worth it. And then it's worth it. Because he is worth it. He's the all-surpassing treasure of the universe. And then if you begin to realize that, and you think about what you're going through, and you want to get there, but you have to go through this first, you're like, yeah, by all means, let's go. This is way better than a car at the end of the road. This is Christ in glory. And so the Apostle Paul looks at his sufferings and he's like, yeah, I've finished these, but there's a few more I've got left and I can't wait to go through them. You're like, you're crazy, man. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. In this plan, we're going somewhere and at the end of the line, what I'm going to get is so much better and therefore I want to get through this as fast as I can. Your sufferings are finite. They're limited. In every trial, every persecution, everything you ever go through, you can check that one off. There's some more coming down the pipe, but you'll get through them too. And then you persevere through the end, and you make it, and you receive Christ, the hope of glory. All of our suffering is for Jesus, and if that is the case, it's so 
so redemptive. So how do I do that, Pastor Jeremy? Well, let me show you those things I mentioned real quick. Uh, Let's say this. Let's say um, that through all four, all five, the way to endure those is by grace through faith. how, How does that work? By grace through faith. Let's say I make a bad decision. It's hard for me to consider that suffering for Christ. I feel more like that's suffering because I'm an idiot. Duh. My fault. Can't really claim this one as glory. Actually, we can. How? By grace through faith. If I truly believe that this is going somewhere and in the end it's going to be all good, then even when I make a bad decision, I can believe by God's grace through faith in Christ that no matter how bad I mess up, at the end of the day, Jesus is going to fix this. And I can get there. I can say I'm experiencing the consequences of my bad behavior, but Jesus is going to fix it. I can suffer through what I brought on myself by grace through faith. So to somebody else, somebody else makes a bad decision. Instead of blaming them or hating them or going after them or holding a grudge or whatever, I can believe by grace through faith that Jesus will get me through. Suffering, of course, of course. Through persecution, yes. The injustice of a fallen and evil world, yes. Every single one of them, the same way. By grace through faith. Max Lucado um, Earlier this week, I heard him on the radio, and he said that the world is the womb. The world is the womb. And what he means by that is this, is we are going through the birth pains. But after this process is complete, then there is new life and resurrection in Christ. The problem is when we devalue Jesus and take our eyes off at whether we're in Um, tragedy or in triumph, either way. Don't take your eyes off Christ. The solution is to proclaim Him and lift Him up. And the application is to gain Him at all costs. Just a moment, we're going to sing a song called Oh, Praise the Name. And let me just read those words to you before we sing them. That Christ is our supreme treasure. That what He did matters more than anything else and by grace through faith we can get through this by believing in him i cast my mind to calvary where jesus died and bled for me i see his wounds his hands his feet my savior on that cursed tree his body bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy stone messiah still And all alone. Then on the third. At break of dawn. The son of heaven rose again. Oh trampled death. Where is your sting? The angels roar. For Christ the king. He shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun. Shall pierce the night. And I will rise among the saints. My gaze transfixed on Jesus' face.
problem is when we dilute Christ. The truth is to hold him high. Whatever you do, gain Christ at all cost. Father, thank you for Jesus, your son. Most valuable thing there is. Please forgive us for the times we have devalued him in word or in deed, even in our thoughts or in our hearts. Please cause us to treasure him above all else and proclaim him like nothing else. Thank you, Lord, for the perfect gift of your Son. In his name we pray. Amen.